Welcome to the Assembly of Yahweh Sermon Podcast. We're so glad you're here. For more information, you can visit hallelujah.org or download the AOI app on Apple or Google Play. All right. Well, man, I, I don't know. I'm excited uh, to be able to speak to all of you today. And I, I just want to thank the Assembly for allowing me to. And I don't know about you guys, but I've been loving this marriage series. It's been helping me a lot. And it's really been helping me because I was able to do this sermon, so I've really got to study it. So, all right. Well, the, the thing that I was chosen to speak about is distractions in our marriage. And it's uh, something that is in, that we all face, and it's something that, uh, that we all encounter. And, and, and uh, why don't we just jump right in before I stumble all over myself. Uh, the Mental Health Foundation issued a stark warning. It said the absence of quality relationships is killing us faster than obesity and lack of exercise. They said that marriage, happy marriages, lead to greater health, greater wealth, and greater resilience so that your spouse can actually help you through hard times. Faster recovery from illness. Isn't that incredible that your body heals faster when you're in a happy marriage? greater longevity of life, and more successful children. Just a few things that a happy marriage will give you. And so if, you know, that's what's great about a happy marriage, uh, how, do, how do distractions take away from that? John Gottman, he has spent his life studying uh, marriages and, and couples and he can sit with a newly married couple for 15 minutes and predict with a 94% accuracy whether that couple will be happily married or miserable and divorced. And he's found that it's not the gifts that we give our spouse every other week. It's not the, the trips or the walks on the beach. He's found that the most, the most important thing to a wonderful and loving marriage is attention. So yeah, what's, it's attention. That's, that's the key. And it seems like a pretty small thing, uh, but it's those little small moments that you spend with your, your spouse and, and, the, and the time that they actually get from you. It's when your wife says, look at that beautiful boat out there in the, in the water and, and Instead of just saying, you know, yeah, or not even acknowledging her, you say, man, that is a nice boat. That's a boat that I'd like to, we should go on a sailboat sometime together. It's those little acknowledgments that, that show him, you know, the people that are going to make it and the people that aren't. That's how we in- interact with each other. And I want to ask you guys, what's the one thing that you feel like is the biggest distraction in your marriage? Because I already know what it is. Uh, I, th- I, I believe for 90% of you, it's this thing right here is the biggest distraction for you guys and for me. And, you know, so why is that a big deal? 
If, it, if, if our phones are distracting us from our wife, and again, we're not getting that attention, giving them that attention, then we're not gonna have the happy, happiest marriages, the most wonderful loving marriages. So, if it's distracting us from our wife, what else, what other things are, is it distracting us from? I believe it's distracting us from our Heavenly Father and our walk with Yahshua. And we all know that if our walk with our Heavenly Father isn't right, then our marriage won't be right. So this is incredibly important that we get rid of these distractions. And I just want to walk through a history of, of, of phones. You know, this is something I've really been wanting to talk about for a long time uh, and something I was actually working on a sermon for because I think it's, it's, these things are a great tool but they have the ability to, to take us out too. I mean, these things are, are, can be horrible for us. But let's just go through the history of how we got here. So on January 9th of 2007, it was 14 years ago. 14 years ago, there were no phones. No, no phones like these. No smartphones. 14 years ago, Steve Jobs walked out onto a stage and he changed the world. He presented this thing for the first time. And what's interesting is while he created this, he never let his children ever use one. And that's because he understood the, how addictive these things are and what, they, what it would mean to people and what it does to children. And like any person that sells a highly addictive substance, they know the rule, don't get high on your own supply. So that's what he did. He wouldn't let his kids use these things. And the problem is not the phone itself, but all the things on the phone. It's the Facebook, Instagram, online shopping, it's porn, games, and news. These things are, uh, they're stealing our life from us. You know, back in uh, the turn of the century, cocaine was thought of as like a miracle drug. It was thought of as uh, something that was very beneficial. And they, were at, they would actually put it in Coca-Cola and give it to their kids and give it to everybody. And uh, people just, uh, just bought it at the convenience store. And, and we think, like, how naive could people be? How, how dumb could they be to, to put cocaine in, in a soda pop? But I think that someday... That's what's going to happen. We're going to look back, and our children are going to look back and say, I can't believe our parents would just give these things to us when we were kids. In the 1940s, a newspaper publisher, Dean Lesher, began what is widely believed to be the first free daily newspaper, the Contra Costa Times. And what made this revolutionary is everybody charged for newspapers back in the day. And, it, uh, and this was the first time where he would just, he never sold them, all he did was sell ads. And that's, uh, that, nobody had ever thought about it like that, that you could do something like that. And 
that's what every company that's on these phones is doing today. They, they're selling ads and they're trying to get your time and your eyeballs. And if you ever go onto a website and you're like, man, this is really cool. I can't believe they give this stuff away for free. Uh, it's not free. You, you are the product. And that's why the more of your time that they get, the more money they make. And so no wonder these things are created to, to pull at us and tug at us and try to get all of our time. You know, we, we check our phone 81,000 times a year on average. That's every four and a half minutes. I saw some kids grabbing their phone and putting it underneath there. <laughs> but we'll, you'll be tempted to check your phone 10 times today while I'm speaking. And the reason is, is that these things give us a dopamine hit every time that we see them. Like if you get a text message, you're like, oh man. And I don't know the, the science behind it, but that's what they say. You get, you get a dopamine hit. And it's, and it's similar to cocaine. But very small dosage. And teenagers are spending an average of six to eight hours a day on social media. That's 21 of years of your life just doing this. Children between the ages of 8 and 18 spend a third of life sleeping, a third at school, and a third in front of a screen of some kind. And these things are having crazy effects on kids. Uh, you know, in, in Silicon Valley, they talk about it like a pickled brain. And they say, you know, your brain is like a cucumber, and once it's become pickled, it, you can't unpickle it. And that's what it's doing, doing to children. You know, uh, it's not just doing it to children either. It is because there are certain things that uh, just when you're at a certain age, it's, it's more important that you stay away from these things. Um, but older people are, are getting addicted to, to phones as well. And, and, they're, and the same tricks that are working on kids work on everybody. And I, I just want you to imagine going back 20 years ago and telling people in the future, you're going to someday walk into a restaurant and everybody in the restaurant will be on their phone and then they're going to go home and they're going to spend three hours on the phone at their home. And then they're going to wake up the next morning and the first thing they're going to grab is their phone to look at it. You wouldn't have believed it. John Piper said one of the great uses of Facebook and Twitter will be at the day of judgment to prove prayerlessness was not due to lack of time. And, you know, while I'm just beating up on uh, these things, they're a great tool, and, and, you know, social media can be used for great things. Um, but so many times we get distracted before we ever get to those great things. <laughs> and, uh, and we love distractions, you know, when I was a kid and there'd be a long sermon, I remember, you know, needing to be distracted. And I would just pick up my Bible and I would 
uh, turn to the back and where the maps were, the only colorful thing on the whole in the book. And I would try to get from the top of the map to the bottom of the map using the rivers or the, or the roads. And, uh, and it just goes to show that we're always looking for distractions, something to distract us. And we have to ask ourselves, you know, is, this, is that what we're going to allow to happen? Because it's, it's so good for us to be in our own mind and in our own thoughts. Uh, it's, it's imperative that we spend that time. And, and today, you can spend weeks without ever spending a moment in your own mind. Uh, and that's not a good thing. That's a, that, it's not good at all. Psalms 119.15 says, I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. And I feel that it's, it's getting harder and harder. And, I, and I'm, dealing, like I'm going through the same thing, but it's getting harder and harder to meditate and, and to fix our eyes on our Heavenly Father. But phones are creating an environment where people may not spend time uh, reflecting. And the phone has turned into something that, that demands things from us. It's crazy. It's like all the dings and the, and the bells and the vibrations. It wants, in, it wants attention and it wants as much of your life as possible. And it's insatiable. It'll take all of it if you'll give it to it. So I'm... Um, all right, railed enough about phones. We're going to move on. Uh, but I'm just hitting a few different things that are distracting us, and then I'm going to wrap it up or bring it all together. But another thing as I was doing study for this was games, and I had no idea games were as big a deal as a distraction or as big a distraction as they are. But I'll give you a crazy statistic that I, I would have never believed. Uh, Middle-aged women are the biggest demographic of video game players. That blew my mind. I thought those were the people that were always telling the kids not to be on the phone, uh, not to be on the games. But they said the, with the iPhones and, and they just have a lot more, I don't know, time to play games. And then there was a there was a game that came out in 2013, and I'm just going to tell you kind of how dangerous these games are, too. But it was called Flappy Bird. Somebody's played it here. Uh, but it was, they actually, the developer said it was so addictive that he took it down and killed the game, unless you already had it downloaded. Well, there were some people that went crazy because they didn't have the game anymore. And so what happened is they started selling these old phones that had the game on it on eBay. And at the very height of it, somebody sold a phone with a Flappy Bird app for $80,000. And, and, and you can't even understand how that happens. But, but they have figured out ways where, like when I was a kid, you would play a game and at the end it would say, sorry, game over. You lost. Well, now it just starts over, and you just start playing again. 
so it never ends. You don't even have that time to think. And then you're like, well, I've already started playing this poor little bird. i got to keep him alive. Uh, anyway, I don't know how the Flappy Bird game works, but uh, there's another game called World of Warcraft. And they say that if you were to put all the people that play World of Warcraft together, they would be the 12th largest nation in the world. And they have AA groups for people that play this game to get them out. Uh, I mean, it's like really serious when you, like I was reading a book that was just talking about all of it and they were talking about, uh, I mean, and don't think it couldn't happen to you because as they talk through it, they're like, man, people, like perfectly good people. This guy was going to college and he uh, was about to go through all of his tests to finish college. Well, he started playing this game and for two weeks he didn't leave his apartment. And he had ordered, food ordered in and, uh, and he, some of them, they said, actually start they've actually uh, wear diapers so that they don't have to use the bathroom. But not very many. I mean, sure, not very many. <laughs> These are the extreme crazy ones. Uh, but, I mean, but it just goes to show, like, how could that be? Like, this has to be very addictive. Um, because it, so, just to scare you a little bit on games. But we know that they're made to be addictive. We know that, like TV series, that they'll put cliffhangers at the end of the shows so that you want to watch the next show. And, uh, and that's just to keep you going. Because, again, they want your eyeballs. And, you know, someone told me, well, you've got to just stop in the middle of the show. Then, then you don't care as much. So maybe that's how it's helpful to somebody. 1 Corinthians 10.13 says, No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. Yahweh is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape, that you may be able to endure it. You know, and with all this, you feel like you, like... Uh, because I'm one of those people, I, I know that like, if I start playing video games, that I have to finish it. Like, I have to get to the end. Uh, so I figured out that a while back, so I don't play them. Because I know that, uh, that about myself. Like, I want to I finish something I start. And, and I feel like that's what we have to do, is set up boundaries. And almost put fences at the top of the cliff, instead of ambulances at the bottom. But protect ourselves and that goes for games and phones and everything because you know proximity is everything and the book I was reading was talking about engineering technology scarcity in our lives so that you can lead a more meaningful life and I've got three ways that you can do that I'll just run through them real, here real quick to help you out and help your marriage out. This is about marriage. I'm about to get to that. <laughs> uh, 
But, okay, so why don't everybody take out their phones if you have it with you and just go to your settings. And if you go to settings, click on the notifications button. And I'm going to help you so much, you're going to love your life after this. <laughs> go down there and just turn off every one of those alerts. You may want to keep your text messages on, but all of those alerts and dings, they say that your IQ goes down 15 points just by getting distracted. So you're 15 points smarter if you'll just turn these things off. And I did it a while back, and it's way better. Another thing that this book talked about was parking your phone, leaving it places so that you intentionally don't have it with you. And if you, you don't have to turn them all off right now. You can do it sometime else, but it's a good idea, I promise. But just leaving your phone, you know, if you're at work, you know that you need to get away from distractions to get things done. Well, the same thing at your home. You've got to leave these distractions, leave, get, get rid of them. So you can focus on what's most important. I said three things. That's two things. Oh, another one is that people move their phone away from their beds. So if you're one of those people that lay in bed and look at your phone, that's another way of getting, getting it, rid of it or getting that distraction out of your life. But anything that distracts us from our marriage and our Heavenly Father has to be addressed. And the more disciplined our, our environment is, the less disciplined we need to be. So let's use these tools to help us. And another fun fact, and then I'm done with technology and phones and everything and games. You're more likely to die from a, taking a selfie than a shark attack. Didn't know if you knew that. <laughs> I told you these things, these things will kill you. Life and death situation we have here. But children, we're moving on. Children are another distraction that we have in our life. And they're a great thing. Uh, we all understand that. But... We have, to, we have to figure out ways to uh, train them to not be so distracting, so they're not distracting us from, from our spouse. You know, the other day I was sitting on my couch, and my daughter was laying beside me, and she just started screaming, Mom, Mom. And uh, I'm like, hey, quit that. Just go talk to her if you want to talk to her. And, and, but here comes mom and she walks in and she says hey I want some chocolate milk and then Kara just went and got the chocolate milk and brought it to her and I was like man that worked pretty good but sorry babe I'm not supposed to do that anymore but they, uh, they can be very distracting. And some people make their kids the focus of their marriage, where all their focus is on their kids. That's a horrible idea. Uh, what our kids need most is for us 
to be in a loving marriage. That will give them everything that they need. We, we, we have to focus on our marriage and on our Heavenly Father and that the kids will be taken care of. So someone told me that I should mention something about money, that that can be a distraction and the lack of money. And, you know, when it comes to money, I feel like it always is a pers it's perspective thing. Uh, like everybody in this room is in the, is, are some of the most wealthy people in, in, Amer in the world. Uh, and, you know, you have to, it's, it's good to start there because you can be grateful from, from day one. Like we just went through a really bad year economically, I guess you would say. But not one of us ever missed a meal. I mean, that was probably one of the worst uh, economic times we've been through in our lifetime. And yet, all of us are going to make it. We'll be fine. So perspective, I think, is incredibly important. And, you know, I guess we all know that money doesn't buy happiness. But all of us kind of want to see for ourselves. Debating whether I should even say this next one. Uh, no, you know, sometimes this, this probably happens in your marriage, but, uh, but something that me and my wife fight about uh, with money is um, she'll buy something and I'll be like, hey, babe, how much did that cost? And she'll say, I don't know. And uh, that drives me crazy. Um, but she's just so cute that... <laughs> just, uh, it's too hard to get upset. But she's also, she's also always afraid... Um, that there won't be room in our bank account for when my paycheck comes, too, so she's always making room for it. <laughs> now, but, uh, like, money, it, if you're not communicating about it and talking to each other about um, uh, what you have and what you're spending your money on, that has to be a constant communication, and you have to get on the same page. Because it's, it's no fun if one person's doing one thing and the other one's uh, getting upset. And uh, you have to be communicating about it. So work. Uh, that can be another distraction. And it's, it's one of those things that's good. But again, it can go too far and it can be a distraction. Uh, you know, and the funny thing about work is you can spend all kinds of time thinking about it. Um, and... It's just one, you're not even trying to necessarily, but you spend so much time doing it that it just sneaks in. The other day I was dreaming, uh, I was having a dream and, and I was riding my horse to work and, uh, you know, I was just having a good time and all of a sudden a fluid end slides past me as I'm riding and I turn a fluid ends a uh, this piece this thing that goes on our frack pumps uh, 
Well, I turn around and there's this trailer that's flipped over and it's sliding to me and it's about to run me over and it's got all our fluid ends on it and they're sliding past me and I turn Charlie into the ditch (laughs) and uh, they all stop and I was safe. But, I mean, that's a dumb dream and you're like how why would you even think about something like that i don't know like it's just you think about uh you spend a lot of time doing this stuff and and it just becomes something you think about a lot let's talk about uh martha and mary let's turn to luke 10 38 because i think this is a great story that highlights how we are to think about our work Chapter 1038. As Yahshua and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at Yahshua's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Yahshua, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself. I, actually, I just want to back up because don't we all love the Marthas, the ones that are doing all the preparations all the time? They, I think th- that Martha gets a bad rap, uh, to be honest. Like, because we need the Marthas. And what Martha's doing is great. She's preparing, she's preparing their food and getting everything ready. But l- let's read on. She came to him and asked, Yahshua, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Then Yahshua turns to her and he says, Martha, Martha, you're worried, you're worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken from her. And that's what we need to remember about work. Work is good, but there are things that are better. And we can never let them take, take uh, precedence over those things that are better. Our marriage, our, our children, and our, our relationship with our Heavenly Father. So, another thing that... Uh, I've been studying is like, what do the, the really good couples do? What do the masters of relationships do? And something they don't do is say things like, oh, we're just working on, working, or making our marriage work. We're just grinding it out. And, and uh, you know, th- that is one way to have a marriage. I'm going to tell you guys a story. Uh, the other day, I was sleeping, and, well, let me back up. Uh, so, I have a dog, and I have said, I will never let a dog into my house. That's, that was before I got married, I said that. And then, I got married, and uh, I have a dog in my house, 
But I did set a rule that I was never going to let that dog get onto the couch or the bed or any of our, any of our stuff. It's going to stay on the ground. And that stuck. So I'm st that did, we are doing that. Well, I've noticed that the dog has lately been getting on, onto our furniture and stuff. And it's really been irritating me. So I've been swatting it and hitting it. Uh, but I was laying in bed, we're, but me and Kara are sleeping, and all of a sudden, I hear this scratching. And I'm, I roll over and I look, and our dog is sitting on top of my wife's head, <laughs> like just sitting there scratching himself. <laughs> well, I, like, just furious. So I reached back and I hit that dog as hard as I could. <laughs> and right at that time, I heard a scream. And all of a sudden, Kara's head turned into the dog. <laughs> I hit her right across the face. <laughs> Uh, she was like, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, they were, but she was, uh, she forgave me and we bit off. But while I was saying that, like, have you ever, have you ever thought something was one way, but it was a total another way? Like you see something the way you think it is, and then it's a whole nother way. Well, that's how our marriage is. And that's what I've seen from when I started marriage until what I see it today. It's a whole nother thing. Uh, I, I didn't realize how much joy it can really give you. And I didn't realize how much, if you pour into it, you get out of it. And, uh, and again, going back to what I was saying before is like, we can spend our marriage. Like we're just dedicated to the marriage. I mean, and you can even make it through marriage. You can make it to the end that way, all the way to the end. Uh, but I believe that there's a better way and a lot more fun way to have a marriage. And remember, this, this relationship that we have is the most important relationship that we'll have with a, with a person on this earth. Uh, it's, this is an important deal. This is a big deal. So, like, instead of just, you know, muddling through it, what if we put some thought into it? What if we didn't make it so boring? You know? How about we make it special? What if we got insanely, incredibly, extremely interested in our spouse? What would happen? Well, that's what the masters do. The masters of marriage. Something they don't do is keep score that's another thing that can, that can be a distraction. And, and when, you start, when you start doing marriages that way, it's no fun at all. When you start doing like, I'm going to do this, you're going to do that. And that 50-50, uh, again, needs to be 100 hundred. Both people need to be putting 100 in. And the, the very best marriages, the people that do it the best, 
They don't expect anything from their spouse. They're always so grateful because you can't be grateful if you expect something. And that's what we all come into marriages with. We have all these expectations of, well, you got to do this and this and, and, a, and a husband does this and he does this and he does this. And uh, that, that's just, you're just set up to be disappointed. Um, but that's what we all do on some level. We have this box of things that this is all the, these are all the things that men do and here's, these are all the things that you're supposed to do as my wife. And, you know, I'm not saying you don't have, like, and it's okay to argue too, by the way. That's what a lot of these studies talked about. It's actually great um, if you do it the right way. If you talk through things the right way and argue about things the right way, it's actually very healthy. But that's what we do. We attach our happiness to what the other person does. And that, that can be a real problem. I can't, I can't be happy unless my spouse does this list of things, you know. And guaranteed, they're going to they're gonna mess up on some of those things. So let's get over the top interested in our spouse. Let's turn to Proverbs 2430. And this scripture is actually talking about a lazy person, but I feel that it, it applies in, in more than one way. And I feel it applies to a marriage. I passed by the field of a sluggard, by the vineyard of a man lacking sense. And behold, it was all overgrown with thorns. The ground was covered with nettles, and its stone wall was broken down. Then I saw and considered it. I looked and received instruction. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will become upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. And that's what happens to our marriages. A little, a little folding of the hands, a little sleep, a little slumber. Uh, and it can just fall apart. This, this is an active thing. This is something that we got to be working at. It doesn't, it doesn't work. It doesn't, if you want this, this great, incredible marriage, it, you have to put work into it. Or else it's just like this vineyard that's overgrown with thorns. So I'm going to tell you about this story of a guy. I read this book called Love Does. It's a great book. And he tells this story about he, him and his wife were sitting on his back porch and, uh, and, and this kid walks up and he says, he says, hey, I'd like to propose to my girlfriend in your backyard. And his backyard is beautiful. It backed up to the, to the ocean. And uh, he, said, he said, okay, he never met this kid before. He's like, okay, that's fine, do that. Well, he shows up the next day, and this is a true story. And he's like, hey, I'm going to, uh, I've got this restaurant that's going to serve us dinner on your back porch. Uh, is that cool? And he's like, 
he's starting to think, this kid's crazy. But he's like, yeah, that's fine. And so he comes back a couple days later and he says, hey, I've got this band that's going to play and they're going to play in the back. And I think I'm going to invite some friends. And he's, at this point, the guy is starting to like, man, this kid's like going all out. And he starts kind of getting the bug and wants to kind of be a part of this. Like, he's like, well, almost like, well, what else can we do? This is going to be fun. And so he starts thinking and he's like, man, I'm going to, I'm going to get some fireworks or something. And, and, uh, and then the kid comes back and he's like, hey, is that your boat out there? He's like, I'd like to propose to her on that boat out there and out in the, out in the water. He's like, he's like, this kid's nuts. He's like, yes, that's my boat, but I don't even know you. Uh, but he's like, you know what? He bought into it. He's like, we're going to do it. Yeah, that's awesome. I'll drive you around even. And so that's what, so the day comes and he, uh, has this wonderful dinner in the backyard and he's just so madly in love with this girl uh, that he can't think of anything. He doesn't even across his mind that this is awkward or weird that he's coming up to this stranger and talking to him about uh, all of the the things he's going to do with his stuff. Um, But he just wants so badly to make her happy, to make it the most incredible day of her life. And that's what you, what you figure out is, you know, love is like a do thing. That's what you gotta, you gotta do something with love. It's like an energy that has to be, that has to be used up. And it makes, it makes life a lot more fun when you put a little whimsy into it and you put some fun into it. Uh, and you put some thought into it. You know, the, the little things make all the difference. They make a world of difference. Kara asked me the other day, she said, hey, I forgot my coffee. Can you get me a cup of coffee? And just for a minute, I was like, well, you really should have made it yourself. <laughs> and uh, that's what crossed my mind, but we're doing a marriage series. <laughs> and I'm supposed to speak in it. And I said, I texted her back. I said, I got you, babe. And isn't that so much better than even just okay or uh, sure? And, you know, that was one time, but... Uh, But that's actually something I learned from my wife because she does that. She does that to me and she'll say little things like, what's, what's my hunk of love doing? I don't know what she said. (laughs) Uh, It's always cute and nice and with lots of emojis and stuff. And and it feels good. You should use emojis. They're actually very nice. But Matt, I think that's what we need more of. Uh, and, you know, to just uh, make comments to them and, and uh, 
both ways, husband and wife. I'm, I'm talking mostly to men throughout this message, but uh, I feel like uh, this is important for women to do as well. But, you know, tell, tell her you love the way her hair looks in the morning. Send a re- random miss you text with a kiss emoji. And when they call you, what, is you, what do you sound like when they call you during the day? Does your, does your voice light up like it's a dream come true that she called? Or does your tone say, I've got better, more important things to do? Or do we, do we put down our phone to hear about her day or his day? Do we come up and hug them from behind or hold them in the morning? Something I've been trying to do with limited success, but it's really changed the way I think about my spouse, is I've said, I'm going to try to treat her like it's Mother's Day every day. Doesn't always work, but it's that mindset that you start thinking about that changes everything and the way that you spend time and and even if it's only for 15 minutes uh, when you get home I want you to think about that doing that for your your spouse and it really is that easy just to think about them and, and to do things that show it so in closing I just say, let's, let's put down the phones and, and get rid of the distractions. Let's give insane attention to our spouse so that, that all of us can be masters of marriage and have a wonderful, loving relationship with our spouse. Thank you.